Hello everyone. We're gonna do a take two on creativity in the mundane with if we can get her on here. Here she is. But did you do something different that time? Uh no. Oh, I, I guess I've never noticed that it said a room. Well, anyway, how, what a perfect example. So technology alone can be just the most um, repetitive, irritating issue. But what you earlier said was, we can choose to do it, anything that's mundane begrudgingly. We can outsource it or we can accept it and whistle while we work. I, yeah. I never even yeah. thought about life being mundane. And I mean, I was up to my ears in dirty diapers with four kids at 38. And I joined a writing class, and one of the prompts was um, to get you to join the class, like the advertisement or the promo, was mm -hmm. to find the beauty in the mundane. And mm -hmm. I just thought, yeah, that's that's a great that's a great class. That's what memoir, you know, that's how they started out the memoir thing. It was the memoir class that I took, and I took it like four times. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So when you write about you know just the everyday kind of humdrum, ordinary stuff that you do and you let yourself go with it, you can find um, beauty in it. And in our case, you and I are talking about the creativity in it, which I think is, uh, beauty is great, the sublime is great. But to find the creativity in it, I mean, I don't think a half an hour is gonna be enough, so. <laughs> no, no, it certainly won't, but you know, we'll yeah. do our best as always. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about, the reason this topic came up is I was, it was several weeks ago, I was hanging up my clothing and I was like really enjoying it. I had some Hildegard playing in the background. So I was kind of singing along, like practicing my piece, trying to learn it, you know, cause Gregorian chant isn't melodic. So you, you know, it takes a lot yeah. of learning. And so I'm, I'm putting like putting away clothes, hanging them up, listening to this song on repeat. And then I ran out of clothes and I had this moment where I was like, oh man, I don't have any clothes left. Like I have to do a new thing now. And I was right. like, wow, like that's a rare experience. Yeah. But it's also an experience I've had before. Um, at, and it, you know, at certain times of my life. So, you know, when you said, for instance, like we choose our perspective, I think that's really true. But I also think for me and my experience, it's had so much to do with the state of my nervous system and the, the state of the rest of my life, right? So like if my whole life is a shit show, it's not fun to hang my clothes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but if my life feels cohesive and my I feel like my roots are g going down into the earth and, you know, I'm generally doing well mental health wise and well taken care of, mm -hmm. then every little act like that feels like self-care. Like it, it's, yeah. it almost feels comparable to like taking a hot bath or you know having one of those moments of indulgence quote unquote yes. indulgence yes. in an activity that normally I wouldn't put on my list of things that I'm I you know oh top five things yeah need my clothes you know what I yeah. mean yeah. Um, yeah but when so. you do put music on and you're uninterrupted and you're not rushed you literally can with each hang, you can make it all go the same way. And I do mine by color. My friend Donna mm -hmm. taught me that. So my whole closet is by cover. And I'm not at all an organized person externally. Mm -hmm. Internally, I'm, I guess I'm just not organized. But, um, but to exercise gratitude. And I remember putting away my baby's clothes. Like this was not, it just feels like yesterday. And it was not yesterday. It was a long time ago. But when the baby's clothes are br brand new and fresh, and they're these little mm -hmm. tiny things, and you're folding them, and you're you're mm -hmm. trying to get the, everything all perfect. It was literally fun. It was like, I can't yeah. believe I have a baby. I can't believe I have baby clothes. Well, then, you know, 
fast forward and it was not like that after a while they were staying and they were icky and you know uh and i had been doing it then for however many years and so it kind of took the the surprise you know element and the fresh innovative you know novel idea out of it however um now i'm back to folding baby clothes again and um it's such a beautiful reminder of that time in my life and you know their clothes are way nicer than mine i'm trying to remember where did we get our clothes did i get them all from hand-me-downs like They've got really cute, you know, Carter's fresh brand new clothes. So anyway, I've been thinking so much without knowing we were going to talk about the mundane, just about how little things are sparking for me, whether you want to call it joy or um, reflection, but um, the, any creative process has joy and any creative project, you have a reflection stage. So I am, you know, correlating the creative process with a lot of this mundane stuff that I'm back to which literally mm. it literally my new word includes dirty diapers and totally. you know, feces under my fingernails it's it's a repetition for me and yet i can do it with a little bit of a um more reflective kind of thankful attitude and it, mm -hmm. it will i know for a fact at almost 60 it's going to inform my writing i know it the little details yeah totally totally and i think you know i think too when when for whatever reason whether it's because our life is going in a certain way and we're feeling secure and safe and and taken care of and those little moments of the you know what i would otherwise feel like chores maybe mm -hmm. those those moments actually do feel like care that's a really great place to be and that's where everyone deserves to be you know it's like even even you know mopping my floor and like organizing my house can feel so nourishing to me even like tying up the wires and those little you know twisty things and like organizing the wires and you know those things that make you crazy most yeah. of the time yeah um well and some people we always talk about this um crystal and i are both wired the same um, we both have a very um, philosophically, um, we're burdened philosophically, it's not sometimes a burden. So we have to work to undo that burden. And, um, and so, but I'm not wired like many people. I can create, I can have the house be a mess. I can have the wires be a mess. It will, it, nothing like that bothers me so much. But to know your process in creativity is what matters. So when you are trying to live just a creative life, you're just trying to engage with the creative, the force of creativity with that phenomenon every single day to know your process. Like I can't touch down with this magical force of creativity and be part of something greater than myself when the wires are all fucked up. Right. And so if, if there's grit on the floor and I'm barefooted, it's going to drive. You have to know what your process is. And for yeah. me, I'm going to be tired if I have to sweep and then fix the wires and then sit down to paint or write or whatever my mm -hmm. process is. But even like if your creative process is just cooking, right? Whatever it is, mm -hmm. but just living creatively, knowing that you wanna be connected to that power, to that energy, not knowing your process is what holds you back. Then just clean the floor, then just fix the wires, then get there. Um, not yeah. to go on and on, but in my in my book, I I think I've told you this before. Um, when sometimes when I have to sit down and write, like if it's just a paper, or I used to write for the newspaper and it was due, and you know there was mm -hmm. a lot of wallowing involved. And I actually wrote um, an article for another magazine about the wallowing involved before I have to write. 
So mm -hmm. uh, it's daunting. I know I have to get it out. It's just, and so I have to lay on the floor and I kind of grunt and I'm really upset that I can't write because I'm very mm -hmm. emotional about it. Um, yeah. But I've come to realize that that's part of my process. And right. even when I think, okay, forget it, I'm just going to quit writing. You know, I still do that. I still go through the stupid stages, even though I know they're mm -hmm. the stages that I go through, I still go mm -hmm. through them. So, oh, yeah. um, but just the wallowing alone and Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way talks a lot about margins and she doesn't call them margins. I think she calls them space. It ca she calls it space. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was doing my studies, we talked about like, you and I have talked about the sunshine on the plant, um, mm -hmm. right? So the space mm -hmm. for the creative person would be um, the root where the roots are gonna go down. You need lots of space for the roots and you need space and sunlight for it to go up there. So for you to have right. a nurturing environment, nurturing for you just to live creatively, you have to know what you need. But some of us don't know that. Mm -hmm. We have to figure it out. And that therein lies, you know, yeah. the struggle, the tension. Totally. Yeah, and it took me a really long time to figure it out. And I think in many ways I'm still figuring it out and still discovering it through trial and error. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to share an experience, actually, because when you mentioned the thing about the baby clothes, it reminded me of a, an experience I had as a new mother um, and a young mother. You know, I was 22 when my son was born and I was home most of the time by myself with him. Um, my friends were not like doing the baby thing at that time. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't have a lot going on as far as like support or social network or anything. Um, and I would like diligently get myself out the door to go take him on hikes like carrying him uh in the carrier and i would like do mommy meetup groups with moms i had never met before you know because i didn't have mom friends mm -hmm. and i remember um i remember you know i had very bad postpartum depression and anxiety oh. and i remember very clearly one day like dressing my son to get him out the door and just the frustration of like his little arms going all over the place and wiggling and, um, you know, trying to get him in, like trying to get the arm in there and these tiny little sleeves. <laughs> and oh and I God. had this moment of like, why is this so hard? And why, why am I so angry about it? Like I wasn't angry at him, but just angry at like, why is this so hard? You know? And I think, I think that's, uh, it's kind of like the opposite of the experience you were having in some ways. Um, and the important thing to me to, is just to point out that we can find the beauty in the mundane and we can, we can have an orientation in our attitude, but when, when we're trying to cognitively or consciously, you know, with awareness, choose to have that and we're, and we're hitting a boundary, like we're coming up against those negative emotions, that frustration or whatever, um, there can be something else going on, you know? So I think it's really important to, to kind of make a distinction between um like oh we can just choose to feel this way or choose to orient to life this way i think it's really um it comes out of first having our wells filled you know that kind of stereotype or that cliche of having the well full and that's exactly what i feel like i'm experiencing now and that moment where i notice that oh wow i'm really enjoying hanging these clothes which you know, normally it would be something that would be kind of frustrating. Oh, I have to do that. Oh man. Like, or I didn't get it done by the end of the weekend. And now it's the work week again or whatever. That to me is a sign that my yes. well is filled. Right. Yes. And at that time, when my son was an infant, my well was not filled because I was really, you know, isolated. And it's sort of like a chicken egg, like 
I was depressed. I was isolated. Was I isolated because I was depressed? Was it, you know, that kind of a thing. But now I'm, I'm really supported and I'm supported in like what you're saying and having margins in my life where I'm not running from one thing to the other, just trying to keep it all together. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I just wanted to say that for the people out there who, who have similar experiences, you know? Yeah. Well, you don't even have to be a mom and be trying to dress a kid. Um, totally. But I think it was you that said, um, it's just information, right? It's mm -hmm. just information. Yeah. So when we come up against, you called the boundary, but I'll call it an obstacle, more of an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And it, and life becomes an irritant, just living. And I'm telling you, Jordan, my son, I always bring up Jordan because he was the first, but Jordan went to um, Fiona's mom's house. Her name is Sibel. Mm -hmm. And he went there to give her an accordion lesson. And, you know, he came home. And, of course, I worked, like, almost full time, right? And mm -hmm. Sibel had this garden in her house. And they had all these musical instruments. And Sibel sat down with them during the um, lesson. I'm saying it facetiously. I was extremely jealous that Sibel mm -hmm. and Jordan came home. And it was just like, they live a very soulful life. She's not rushing around from here to there. The house is not cluttered, but it's full. Like, and mm -hmm. I just, I just, you know, internalized it. Like I'm always running from here to there. I'm always trying mm -hmm. to do too much. And so he's grown up now, you know, he's probably 20 and he's seeing the difference between one Santa Clarita mom and another Santa Clarita mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so to me, when you come up against those obstacles, the information is, dude, you're doing too much. You're just totally. doing too much. Right. And, okay. um, and when the baby, you know, this baby that I'm caring for is 20 months old, when he doesn't want to do something, I want to force him to do it because I mm -hmm. want to be on my timeline. And yet he's totally. from the other side and yeah. he has his own timeline. And so there has to be this balance where sometimes if he doesn't want to get in his car seat or he doesn't want to go in the house, we, we all just let him, we just let him do whatever it is he thinks he wants to do. But sometimes right. we can't do that. But sure. when you're too, when you're too hard pressed, to even consider it, that's information to say, okay, this should, this could be fun. This process could be fun of dressing a little doll. It doesn't have to yeah. be an irritant. So exactly. um, my, my therapist used to call them red flags. And I mean, mm -hmm. I think I was, I think I was like 35 when I first heard the word red flags. And I think um, in your third, when you're in your thirties is when you look back and you go, okay, this is not the life I want, or I am living the life I want. And you mm -hmm. just have more of a meta self to pull yourself out of your scenario. Because you're right. kind of a ping pong ball in your 20s, not a, ping, a pinball, right? You're yeah. bouncing around in your 20s. And then in your 30s, you start to settle in to who you are. But mm -hmm. as far as creativity goes, every day can be like in my video, I, I was curling my hair and it didn't turn out well. If you watch my video, my hair looks horrible. But um, everything you do is a creative endeavor. Everything can help you touch to that creativity, even exactly. curling your hair for a video, even if your hair doesn't turn out. So if we have that mindset that me wallowing on the floor or even getting frustrated with the toddler who refuses to be changed, all of those things can contribute to a more creative life when you're connected. Totally. Yeah. And that's, that's the huge difference. That's a huge difference. And to me, I'm not sure if I conflate the two or if it's accurate, but to me, it's like... If my well is sufficiently full, I'm able to digest those experiences as what I'd call creative fodder. Whereas if I'm below what I call like below the line, you know, if there's like a graph and like, here's me healthy and happy and here's me below the line, um, like down here, you know, having a total 
breakdown or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm below the line, those experiences just deplete me more and they don't seem to take hold in my psyche as food until much later once I'm back above right. the water, you know? What's sad, and which I did, what I never knew that maybe you maybe you won't experience this, but um, uh, this whole homeostasis thing, you know, the homeostasis is right here, and we have this goal of raising the bar and living like this, and and so sometimes we do get there, but maybe mm -hmm. we don't stay up there, and then here's the line, we we go way down, but eventually the the down won't be so far, you know, you know, when we fall down, the 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 gauge right. won't be as far. But you will because of self-knowledge, really, though. It's well, because of self-knowledge, not because we don't have the capacity to fall that far, right? Yeah, right. But because we know, we know what we need, and we yeah. learn that on the path of life, right? Right. Um, and you know what? Some of us don't learn it uh, early on, and some people do. And that's what yeah. I've noticed about the four kids is that, you know, it, I mean, if I have four kids and one of them learned how to eat healthy at a young age and one of them learned how to work hard at a young age and one of them learned how to have a good relationship, but nobody did all the, all of those things at once. Yeah, and nobody, for sure. And it's not like self-care came last for somebody and a relationship came first for somebody. I've noticed that everybody's development is its own mm -hmm. spiral. It's its own of thing. Course. Yeah. 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 And that goes, and, that goes back to what you were saying about the baby, right? About like hard timelines that we have for the baby to, oh, the baby should do this and the baby needs to get dressed yeah. and the baby yeah. needs to be in the car seat or whatever. Mm -hmm. The biggest learning I had was on that topic from teaching preschool. Cause in the preschool classroom, you're there a hundred percent for them. You're not yeah. there for yourself aside yeah. from, you know, your, the career and the paycheck and whatever. But yeah. you're, once you're in that room, it doesn't have anything to do with you. So you don't have an agenda for the children other than, okay, we're going to paint now, or we're going to go play in the sand now or whatever. Uh oh, are you still there? I'm just going to keep talking and assume <laughs> that you're still there. Um, okay. There you go. It just, it went black. Okay. Well, okay, so you're here now, right? A preschooler would just, you're there for the preschooler, right? Yeah. So you're, you're there for them. To unfold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what I noticed my job was actually for them wasn't teaching them in the sense of, oh, I have an idea. Now you're going to learn it and understand yeah. it and assimilate it. My my job really was creating brackets of space mm -hmm. that created a loose enough structure, like just enough structure mm -hmm. so that they could express themselves in different scenarios. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like, OK. 30 minutes of sensory bins and all the sensory bins would be around and they'd be allowed to basically make a mess and, you know, get flour all over the floor and play with marbles. And as long as they didn't put them in their mouths, yeah. I had this yeah. one, one kiddo who always put it in his mouth every time. And then you see their little personalities emerge like, yeah. wow, it's amazing. But um, yeah, so then it'd be 30 minutes of that. And then it'd be, okay, now we're going to go play in the sand for 45 minutes and mm -hmm. play outside and swing on the swings and just creating these little containers for them. Mm -hmm. It was much more like c creating safe, stimulating containers than it was teaching in the formal right. sense. Well, and um, if you can apply that to life for people mm -hmm. who aren't ever gonna have kids, because I've got a couple of those too. When you apply those concepts to life, you're mm -hmm. living organically and you're allowing life to unfold which is really creative. And there will always be uh, obstacles. 
There's always yeah. going to be obstacles. And I personally am always going to cry about those obstacles. I'm always going to cry and throw a fit. I just know my process. And I'm always going to mm -hmm. weep about the things that are upsetting me. I'm, I'm going to express myself. And it's not a liability. And it doesn't mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's, but it's taken me years to accept that and not go, oh, I'm really doing poorly. I'm not suffering from like serious depression or anything. I'm just a weeper. And I just mm -hmm. feel things. And when I'm happy, I'll express it. So that's just me. But as an adult who is trying to live a life that is based on the whole mission of creativity, which is to deeply connect with oneself and then to connect with others, to allow things to unfold like a preschool teacher teaches her course, I think is, is the best mission you could have. It's become my mission in life because it taught me so much and, you know, I talk about children because I'm a mom and I was formerly a preschool teacher, but it's the same. If yeah, you've ever yeah. been in a relationship, if you've, you know, even in yourself, like if you have ever been hangry, throwing a tantrum just because yeah. you're hungry, like yeah. we are toddlers yeah. and yeah. we're just more complex and, you know, maybe like egotistical toddlers. But mm -hmm. basically we need we have the same basic needs as them. Mm -hmm. And so in that space, when I let go of my agenda mm -hmm. and allowed life to just play out in front of me, those mm -hmm. children were able to thrive. Mm -hmm. And they taught me so much about being present mm -hmm. and just allowing life to unfold mm -hmm. and not in imposing my own will on that is beautiful. That is beautiful. They were the creative process laid out in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it was I mean I I don't think I've I've learned as much from any single experience I, yeah. um, uh, beside being a mother, which is no, like I agree with always you. an ongoing experience. Well, and I used to say this, if I could parent like I teach my preschool classes, you know, I, I, I should certainly be a much better mother, but I couldn't. If I could parent myself the way that I teach yeah, my preschool yeah. classes, right. I would be a much healthier, right. happier person. Well, and the other thing that I was thinking about uh, as I was thinking about the, the mundane, because for me, I've always only thought about it as writing, like how can a writer find the beauty in the mundane? And now mm -hmm. I'm connecting it to my worldview of creativity. And what came to my mind, because I knew we would talk about preschoolers, I just knew it, mm -hmm. is I saw a documentary in Explained on, uh, in, about babies. And mm -hmm. the new brain science, I don't think it was before 2015, um, the new brain science is proving that whoever is caretaking the baby, which is fucking mundane, changing diapers and yeah. taking that feces out from under your fingernails and getting food <laughs> thrown at you and then crawling on the floor on your hands and knees at 57 and picking up pasta off the floor and wiping up the ants that came. It's mm -hmm. mundane. I am back yeah. to the mundane. But yeah. what the documentary was saying about all this mundane baby caring is um, when you're nurturing an infant, your amygdala, which is your emotional response system and your emotional world, the whole system near your amygdala, um, it totally expands and grows. And it not only grows mm -hmm. in the mommy who birthed the baby and who's now living on more oxytocin than she's ever lived on, but it's mm -hmm. also living in the father, the oxytocin goes up and it happens in grandmas and grandpas. They wow. measured um, one of my favorite, um, what are the, what is she called? Um, what's it called? When anthropologist, her name is Sarah Hardy, H-R-D-Y. Um, her book changed my life. She taught me that mother's heartbeats synchronize with babies. And mm -hmm. now I've come to find out my heartbeat will synchronize with your heartbeat when we're listening to the same story. 
totally. just thought it was music. I, in my seminars, I just say it's music, but now I know it's story too. But yeah. your brain expands and you share the oxytocin dose and grandparents have, the, uh, Sarah and her husband, her, as grandparents, they spit into a vial and they measured the oxytocin before and after they met their grandchild. And it went up like wow. 63%, even a week later. So wow. we, what's happening with the mundane, when we allow it to unfold and change us and we don't go into our downward spiral of bitching and complaining and moaning and groaning, mm -hmm. is it changes the landscape of our brains. It's not just emotional and spiritual. We're not just mm -hmm. harmonizing with the universe. Right. We're literally changing the landscape of our brains, the amount of chemicals that are being produced, um, the dendrites that are growing, and the size and expansion of our amygdala. It, that's creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful. It's beautiful. And the, the thing that makes it, I think, that brings it home for me is that it's it's the infusion of care into the mundane. Like the mundane exists as a structure for care. And when, when care and mundane are married, there is no more mundane because there's what you're talking that, about. That's right. That's right. And um, it was John Keats who sat, you know, on his ass. I've been to his house for hours on end and wrote the poem um, about the Grecian urn. Like how mm -hmm. a Grecian urn, really? A pot? You're going to sit there and, and harmonize with a pot through, through a mm -hmm. poetry? But that's what those philosophers in the Romantic era are talking about that there is beauty and when you connect with it, that's the force of creativity connecting you. It's so powerful. And believe me, I just get overwhelmed all the time. And I, I wish that I could say I, I live in this, but just when I study it and when I take a few minutes to myself and I dive back into it, man, I'm just, I'm pumped to see, okay, now maybe I won't be so grouchy tomorrow. <laughs> maybe I'll be able to handle what's thrown at me if I have a, if I have this kind of um, uh, in my backpack, right? Yeah, it's our orientation. It's it's uh, you know programming the mind and mm -hmm. and put giving us that subtle food that we can actually evoke this in our own lives. Amen. Awesome. Well, that feels like a really good place to. We shall. We shall. For tonight. <laughs> okay, and you know if there's more on it. Okay, and I don't know, I guess we talked mm -hmm. about the, the Babies documentary on Netflix and mm -hmm. Sarah Hardy. Sarah Hardy. And Keats, of course. <laughs> and and Keith, What was the book? Do you remember the, na the name of the book by Hardy? Yes, um, Our Babies, Ourselves. Okay, I read that one. Beautiful. Long time she, ago. She's a brilliant, she's brilliant. And she actually, oh my gosh, she talks about the village nonstop in, mm -hmm. in that because she'd studied yeah. so many uh, um, people groups, right? She talks mm -hmm. about the village and you and I have been talking about the village in the past few weeks totally. and I've been behind, um, behind closed doors. I've been sending you lots of memes cause I never post anything. I'm not a poster, but I, I send it to you. I guess yeah. I, don't, I really don't know how to repost a meme. Told. <laughs> I'll teach you. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a great night. Mwah. You too. Love you. Love you so. Bye.